0: You're listening to Country Squire Radio.
1: Square Radio. I'm Bo, and I'm John David. JD. Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, a good afternoon <laughs> to you too, sir. How you doing today? <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I, it always cheers me up to get on mic with you, man. It's uh, it's been a heck of a week, but we're uh, man, we're doing well. And uh, man, you and I just giggling a little bit pre-show here, talking about some vintage Arrested Development episodes, <laughs> which. You know, I've seen multiple times. I I, I love the, you know, the original series, right? Oh, yeah. Arrested Development came out. I I don't know what channel it was on, but, you know, it came out. It was like the most underappreciated show for like three seasons. Oh,
1: nobody watched, right?
2: No one watched it, you know, because no one really understood it. It was not publicized well, but it was just comic genius, right? And then they uh, took it off the air, and then it got this kind of cult following to the point where they tried to bring it back, but it was just in this kind of cumbersome way that, I, I don't know, didn't really work for me anyway but man some of those early episodes were were great bo and i were uh were
1: laughing about that oh man quality stuff that show in particular like have i ever told you this like that show (laughs) there was a time in my life we're like that show was my family. Like the, before, did show save you. Yeah. Well, no, like like it was. It was just all right. So like my brothers got me on it. They were like, you need to watch this show. I was like, yeah, I, I don't need another show. They're like, no, you need to watch it, and then you'll understand. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is us. Oh no, like every single character has a corresponding really member of of like my family. It's crazy, yeah. and it's That's almost like funny. beat for beat, like even like ages. So I'm the oldest, which means, you know, it's an illusion, Michael. <laughs>
2: You know, I felt that way with the original Office. Uh, we're going to talk about tobacco. At some oh yeah,
1: point, yeah, with yeah, a pipe but, tobacco. No, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. We,
2: <laughs> we uh, y- you know, I felt that way with about the Office first season in life. Those mm. first several seasons there, right as I got out of college, and then man, it, just, it was just balm for my my weary soul in the midst of uh, young adulthood, trying to figure it out, coming home at the end of a long day, and laughing at you know Jim making fun of Dwight and <laughs> right. uh, you know just practical jokes and you know the. Bar- Boss being an idiot, and I well, could relate like to so many things. Was, I was about to say you had great. you had Dwight living
1: next door there for uh, for a little while, but regardless, man, yeah, speaking, no, that's speaking right, of I a did. <laughs> speaking of a bomb for the soul, that's a different series. <laughs> uh, speaking of a bomb bomb for the soul, man, we are talking pipe tobacco this week, as uh, as we are wont to do here on Country Squire Radio, man. Yeah. I am. Super stoked to be jumping into this particular episode and getting into a topic that may or may not be controversial, which is always kind of a fun thing.
2: You know, I haven't really thought of this as a controversial topic
1: until you just mentioned it, but it, it, it probably kind of is. Yeah, ah, we're going to rustle some feathers, man. We're going to rustle some jimmies. I don't know what the right phraseology is. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting one to see. Rustle some is. jimmies? Is that not a thing? That might not uh, be a thing. This is a family-friendly
2: show. I, you know, let's just.
1: Oh wait, is that is that? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I don't, I don't know.
2: I just I, I, let's <laughs> just leave this aside. Go go okay. ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, this see this, see we've already started like completely way off topic, which is the most <sighs> unprofessional thing you can do in podcasting, and already it makes me want to be like like I need to tell the story about Welcome the first time Country I Square ever Radio. said like a curse word. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No, gonna, don't. We're gonna, yeah. No, we're going we're to stay on it. All right. So here's the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got <laughs> a great show for you planned for today. First up, got to let you know that this show is made possible by the amazing support of our patrons over at patreon.com slash country radio. If you'd like to join the uh, country squire radio international pipe club, that is the place to do it. Again, that's patreon.com slash country radio. Also, we are building up to a big announcement the week of October 6th. What could it be? Hmm? Well, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, you'll know. Well, it, it, it's funny. Like it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun
2: and different, and it, it'll just be something you know that folks can get on board with, and. Yeah, we'll, we'll just see how people take it, but I, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be great. I'm excited I, about it. Well, I'll just—I
1: I just think it'll be a very precious announcement. Uh, mm. Oh yeah, like that, like that, little that's bit of what that you did there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They, yep. The kid, the kids don't know, but we, we, you and I know. No, <laughs> listeners don't know, but we know. All right, y'all. Uh, <laughs> We're ridiculous. having way too much fun. Let's get to work, man. We've got a uh, great topic. So, as I mentioned. This may or may not end up being a controversial one, because as the listener knows, we are talking about what makes a good pipe tobacco good. And therefore, there is kind of something implied in that, which means what makes a bad tobacco bad. And, you know, I would imagine one can't even talk about one without addressing the other. And, you know, really... Taste and flavor, it's, it's very subjective However, I do think after spending So many weeks, an entire mini-series Going through, expanding your palate, training your yeah. palate Talking yeah. about the different flavor profiles And everything else, there is still This element of quality That needs to be addressed Now, John David, you and I, we've, we've had uh, episodes We've done talking about what makes a good pipe a good pipe What makes a good, or what makes a bad pipe a bad pipe But you yourself, as One of the most prolific tobacco blenders Of the modern age <laughs> I think bring a ton of knowledge. You, you give me a promotion like every time you say something like that. Did, I mean, did you going, notice I caught ahead. myself because I was like, I'm about to compliment this man. And of course, he's not going to take it. He needs yeah, to take I'm, this. I am not.
2: I have to always say something that, you know, is <laughs> off putting or, you know, dismissive. But uh it, seriously like, like maybe, you know, let, let's let's tone it down a little bit. Go ahead. All, go
1: right. Ahead, All right. Anyway, point is this uh, God's gift to tobacco that we have uh, sitting with us on mic today <laughs> is going to be helping us understand the question. What makes a good pipe tobacco? Good.
2: Yeah, it's, it's open-ended, right? Because this is something that... There's a seemingly, in some sense, no rhyme or reason to. I mean, you, you've got a variety of answers to the question, and so there's some folks that look at something, let's say, as uh, simple and prolific as Lane One Q, and they're like, "That's a good tobacco. You know, that's that's good. It, it burns well. It makes the room smell good. It's got a kind of a semi-sweet, flavorful taste to it, and and so that's man, that's a that's a good tobacco. And then, you know, you've got folks that look at that and they're like, "Well, no, you know, poo on that. Like that that we can't. I'm not going to smoke." that i can't call right. that a good tobacco like that you know good tobaccos are you know have all these other characteristics that mm-hmm. we'll get into and and so yeah t- today's just kind of a discussion you know where beau and i just uh just kind of chat about that what makes that a good tobacco and 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 you know what kind of goes into our thought process is that uh is going through your mind so so
1: i, I gotta ask the question because yeah. i've been thinking a lot about this lately in terms of you know uh we did a we did the kind of the win to acquire series and and it that ever since then, my wheels have been turning because yeah. there are times that I kind of, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it's been a particularly good month. Maybe it's been a particularly good year. I've got a little extra cash. I want to kind of spend it on something special. Yeah. And, you know, for me, a lot more often than not, that means a little bit of the brown water. So I tend to go down <laughs> to the the old package store here and I peruse and I see like all these like high quality or rather high priced uh, scotches and, yeah. and whiskeys and everything. And I yeah. know a few that I know to be good and expensive. And I have, on let's say more occasions than I'd like to admit, purchased a higher end yeah. whiskey only to come down and like get back at home and like pour myself a glass and then read up on it and read that everybody says it's terrible, it's crazy overpriced, <laughs> you're an idiot if you buy this kind of thing. And, you know, at the same time, there are some relatively, you know, uh, well priced uh, whiskeys and that sort of thing that I find yeah. to be very quality, extremely good, especially for the price. So, I'd like to acknowledge off the bat, a lot of times somebody might assume that price point is really what defines good, and is yeah. that always the case? That's my question. Yeah, th- that's actually a, a very fair question. You know, as, as I was thinking
2: about some of this, I was thinking about kind of the, you know, the strata of price points with mm. tobaccos. You have what uh, Country Squire Radio vernacular refers to as uh, hamster cage tobaccos. You know, <laughs> <Right>. stuff that <laughs> stuff that you uh, find in a, a a paper sack or uh, something cellophane. You thing. know, by, behind the counter at the uh, at the Walgreens, and and you know, we've got all kinds of fancy mid range tobaccos or hand blended from your tobacconist that might come in a little pouch or whatever it is. And, and then you've got this, you know, kind of strata up there of tobaccos that might come in some real fancy metal can with some jewels on it or, you know, some uh, artwork that's almost like a, you know, heirloom type thing. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to name any names when talking about that, you know, particular uh, style of tobacco. But, you know, I mean, you've got some tins that are 20, 30, even $40 MSRP, a, a, a tin of tobacco. And so, you know, are those tobaccos really better? Are they re- and, and I'm talking about two. Two three ounces, right? Not we're not talking about a half pound of tobacco. We're talking about, and I'm not referring to esoterica either. I'm talking about stuff that's just expensive. And and so are, are those tobaccos better? And sometimes they're not. I, I'll I'll be honest. Some of the most one dimensional tobaccos that I've smoked have been some of those more kind of expensive, catering to folks that uh, like you know things to look uh, sophisticated and maybe a little more I, I don't know showy. I, you know, th- there's a not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just, you know, some of the most one-dimensional tobaccos I've ever had have been from those um, the, those blending houses or those brands. So it's interesting, you know, there, there's some awesome tobaccos. I think that as you kind of talked about bourbon and, and you know, I, I, the way I would think about wine or anything else, there's a... A nexus there that you have to think about of price versus quality, right? And like, how does that how does that connect? Is this a good tobacco for the price? Is it something that man that's inexpensive, but that's pretty doggone good, you know? Last week on our show, we mentioned that our our dear friend Bill Rutledge passed away. Of course, real sad, and we it was kind of it was actually really neat uh, this past week uh, after you and I recorded Bo, we had a the um, small gathering at the shop kind of in his honor where we uh, got together and told some stories and toasted him and I made a big batch of his private blend and put it on the shelf or on the on the counter for people to uh, to just grab and smoke and, and we pulled out a box of cigars of his favorite cigars and just passed them out, let everyone smoke one. One of the highlights of the night Bill was a big wine drinker. He loved wine and he and where I just drink a lot of wine, Bill was actually into wine. You know, he you know, followed the different wineries and the wine makers, the blenders, the families that uh, were engaged in all this and he knew wine. And he would always talk about Liberty School Cabernet. And and he loved Liberty School. It's very very Simple. You can get it in uh, in Mississippi for twenty bucks a bottle. But the reason Bill talked about, it, and Bill was one of these guys that just you know he was he knew two hundred dollar bottles of wine, he knew uh, seventy five dollar bottles of wine, he knew you know fifteen dollar bottles of wine. He just he loved the whole uh, the whole range. But he he always would recommend this bottle of Liberty School because for him it was the the best value. For he, he would regularly put f- put the flavor profile in this particular wine up against stuff that was you know 3 and 4 times the the same price of uh of that bottle right so so and there's something to that we, we you know we, we went next door to the package store we bought six bottles of the stuff and just poured a bunch of drink we drained every one of it. it was great man it was just a just a fun night in in honor of bill but you know there's something that he he hit on with that and that's you know that liberty school for a $20 bottle there's it's thoughtfully blended. It was made using quality ingredients. It had a sophistication to it that wasn't ham-fisted. It was just very nuanced, but also very approachable. It's just a good wine for 20 bucks, right? And so let's acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge the fact that Orlick Golden Sliced is is a fantastic tobacco with a lot of these characteristics, you know, for 10 or $11 a, a, a can. So anyway, that that's something to be said. You know, we've, we've been thinking about the Uh, these good, good tobaccos versus bad tobaccos a lot more recently. You know, if you listen to the show, uh, regularly. You know, I, I hired a gentleman named Quinn Crawford, came on board with us earlier this year, and he's actually done such a great job that he's been able to take all, some of the stuff off off of my load and let me kind of focus on uh, some of the things I love to do more. And one of those things, of course, is thinking about tobacco recipes. And, and then also Quinn has this interest in that. And so he's been kind of experimenting on his own and learning about how different leaves work together and the, you know, ability of this leaf to pair with this leaf. And what makes this leaf special, and how? What are the characteristics of this leaf that make it, you know, appropriate for whatever blends? And it's 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 been neat to see his kind of gears working on this. And so so this has been at the forefront of my mind as I've been kind of looking at what are the blends that we have. What are you know we want to come up with some new recipes, and uh, you know I'm encouraging him to blend. I'm encouraging our other employees to think about it. And and what is that? How do I communicate like what is good? Like when do you stop? Like we've done all this experiment. And we, as we try these experiments, some advance to the next round, some uh, get you know thrown on the cutting floor. So what makes it good? And so we're just going to drill into that a little more. Uh, you know, quality ingredients, right? I mean, that's kind of where you start. That seems like the most obvious component of a good tobacco blend, and, and and it's hard to define, particularly as a someone that's in the background. If you're a consumer and you don't have experience with raw leaf or uh, you know blending ingredients, it's like what. Well, well, how do you know what a good component of a tobacco blend is? And at, at the end of the day, you really, you really can't tell, but from the consumer experience, what you know is just how it tastes and the experience of smoking it.
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, like, I feel like most, most tens, most blends are going to say like, you know, made with the best quality, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, Right, the best quality that you could afford, or the best quality that you know fit your budget, or the right. best you know like. Right, <laughs> exact
2: That's exactly. This was made with the best quality rabbit grass behind Grandma's barn. Right, <laughs>
1: right, right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So um, it was
1: kind of like. Oh! how trustworthy are you on that? Well, that's a good that's a good
2: question yeah and so so it, this is the part that you really is is super hard to judge from the consumer standpoint mm. there is a reason that when people go to the grocery store that they're shopping for you know those folks that they they pick carefully over like the vegetables and the fruits and the eggs and you know on any perishable food item you you know you pick this one up and ah eh, that one's not the right color or this one eh, this one's got a bruise on it or you know um and and by the way when I do that i always feel like an idiot you know (laughs) like i go to kroger or something and i'm like looking like i don't know how to judge a good cantaloupe like i mean you know you you know you see these people like knocking on the side of it listening to the inside of it and you're like well that sounds good. I just kind of feel like an idiot whenever I do that. But yeah, I'm sure you know more <laughs> about that kind of stuff. But <laughs> There's a reason folks do that. They're looking for quality ingredients either to eat straight or to put in some type of uh, delicious recipe that they know are going to uh, be enjoyed by people. And in the end, uh, the same applies to the blender. You want to make sure that the leaf is in good condition, you know, that the leaves aren't bruised or bludgeoned in any way. The uh, sugar content is right, has the appropriate ripeness. So so that that's something on the end that the tobacco consumer can't really uh, dive into as much, but but it does go into the front end of the process and makes a good uh, good tobacco. It, you know, really it, for the consumer, it starts with the the smokability of the tobacco, right? So, you know, are the leaves, do they work together enough so that you can handle it easily? Does it uh, load in your pipe well? You know, are you kind of struggling to load it in your pipe pinch by pinch and the leaves homogeneous enough to where they kind of help each other burn properly. Like, do you have, you know, big chunky leaves uh, paired with, uh, you know, like a shag cut leaf or or a cube cut leaf or, you know, something where it's just uh, kind of clumsy to load in your pipe. So that's something to think about, how you can handle it, how it stays lit. But, you know, blenders also have to, you know, pay attention to can the tobaccos that are part of the blend, can they be thoroughly combined? Are they well mm. blended? It's something that not all tobaccos actually go well together just from a physical standpoint because of how the cuts work. And so, you know, just something to think about. And and then, of course, the moisture content, moisture content on pipe tobaccos. You know, you've got... Is some that uh, you know are super super dry and and therefore tend to uh, burn like a you know tinder box just kind of kind of light up real easily and then you've got some that are so wet that they take uh, a lot of time to either get lit or they're constantly going out or you know they leave your pipe real goopy or, or gunky. For some types of blends, there's obviously a spectrum of moisture content that's appropriate, right? You do expect typically aromatics to be a little more on the moist side A non-aromatic. To be maybe a little more on the drier side, going into a certain type of blend, you kind of are aware of that, right? And you kind of know, well, you know, there's a there's a range within that moisture, that higher moisture content level that you know you're you're able to tolerate with an aromatic, and so you go into it saying, well, this can be a little more moist because it is supposed to be a cherry blend, and and we know that that's going to you know take some type of topping in order to achieve that. Part of the moisture content has to do with a careful or an artful use of, you know, any type of preservation agent. So we're, we're talking about humectants here, like a, a propylene glycol, uh, whatever witchcraft that McClellan used uh, involving vinegar, <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff that folks apply to tobacco to give it a, a decent shelf life and help the leaves uh, stay relatively moist and fresh. There's a part of that too that's artful use of that. Is it uh, something that is just kind of clean clobbering the tobacco where it becomes the main characteristic, just this kind of gunky gunkiness? Or is it something that is more just appropriately used where it's a little more delicate and uh, doesn't overwhelm the flavors, doesn't make your pipe, uh, you know, d- bubble up like a, like a snorkel? <laughs> so, um, you know, all these are things to, to consider. Next, you know, along the lines of a good tobacco is a thoughtful recipe. This is probably the hardest part. What makes makes this cake better than that cake? Why is this person's soup better than this person's soup? You know, why, why did Bo win the, uh, what, what, what do you call that stuff? The, uh, not etouffee jambalaya or gumbo. gumbo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, why did, yes. Why did, why did, why did Bo win the gumbo contest and not the, uh, not the other, uh, not the other family, you know,
1: international gumbo contest, In, uh, the
2: international yeah. gumbo mm-hmm. contest, which there was a trophy 2013, and, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. were like yeah. on the news and all that stuff. I'm just
1: kidding. Well, that didn't, <laughs> you know, that should have been, but yeah.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, it, so what is it about that recipe that makes it special? The thoughtfulness that goes into that, this has got to be the hardest part because we're humans and we all have our own sensibilities. I think in the end, it's do the ingredients work together to do their job? Is the tobacco interesting and nuanced? Does it appeal to a variety of your senses? And when I say that, you know, you've got the, obviously the the taste of the tobacco, but the aroma of the tobacco, does it, uh, you know? Is the room note nice for your companion, but also yourself? A lot of times, the smoker experiences the aroma differently than the people around them, and even again, the variety of your senses. What does the tobacco look like? How is it packaged? What's it like to hold in your hand and to load in your pipe? And all those are part of the process. That you know, does it leave your hand sticky? Is it crumbly? Is it something you have to be extra careful with? So there's all these things that kind of kind of go into that as far as the um, the recipe goes. Does the tobacco? keep the smoker engaged as the smoker is going through the bowl. One of the things I love about some tobaccos is that as you puff them, you kind of get these little wispy, uh, delicate tastes that kind of come through these little bursts of flavor that, you know, may lead you to a more salty or a smoky or a sweet experience. They're, they're kind of dancing around your tongue. Like what what's going on with that? How does the blender mm. accomplish that? You know, think about those tasting wheel concepts that we looked at several episodes ago, like how is it pushing those buttons? And in what combination? And how often? And is it, is it, is it dancing on your tongue rather than just being one-dimensional? You know, something to think about. And do the flavors interplay to create this kind of canvas? You know, do they work together in an appropriate way? Are they conflicting? Are they clashing? You know, or is it something that kind of works together to make a bigger piece? And, and you know, for some blends, that's not the goal. For some blends, it's supposed to be a simple blend. Think of one cue, Think of Cult Blood Red Moon that has become a, you know, real popular chocolate cherry uh, tobacco, which unfortunately I think they're actually discontinuing, but it's kind of uh, been super, super uh, popular. And so what, what makes that a good blend? It's uh,
1: Yeah. Can I make a gumbo kind of connection here? Yeah, of quick, course. Since yeah. you referenced that. So when you and I went to New Orleans several years back, I brought you to the gumbo shop and I told you, I was like, I was like, all right, you know, this is a good place for a very basic gumbo. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and so you ate it and, you're, and I think you interpreted me saying it was basic as bad. Right. <laughs> and so right. like you, you ate like this, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, it's completely unoffensive. It's not trying to be anything other than a very basic gumbo. Yeah. It's very, you know, it, it, it it's good. I'm not saying it's not good, but if you want to get like, you know, kind of some more experimental stuff, if you want to, you know, like it's a good kind of jumping off point because you know. This is a good quality gumbo, but this isn't all gumbo and there, there there's there's better gumbo, but there's also gumbo that's going to like be a little controversial. For example, at the moment I'm working on some duck gumbo <laughs> that I'm trying to recreate some duck gumbo I made in, uh, from at Thanksgiving last year and it's been a lot of trial and error. And so, you know, it's going to taste very different from what you get there. So the one cue, if you yeah. will, of gumbo would be kind of the gumbo shop in my opinion. Yeah. Whereas, you know, something that's a little bit more centered around a particular taste or has a, a particular goal, right? Might be, I don't know, maybe that pumpkin vanilla gumbo that you get like one time a year yeah, or something, something like that. pumpkin vanilla gumbo.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm
1: sorry, no, I meant tobacco, not gumbo. Oh, okay. on <laughs> what if we yeah, made pumpkin pum-
2: vanilla, gumbo, pumpkin would be vanilla gumbo gumbo, flavored tobacco? Can, can, can we work? I'll get Quinn on that. I'll, I'll get, I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll get no, Quinn no, no, that. no, no. And by the way, mentioning oh, Quinn uh, a couple times Episode he just had uh, his second child. They just had a
1: hey had, had congratulations. A son.
2: So he uh, they they have a, a daughter who's about a year and a half old, and they just uh, just added a, a precious little boy. So um, anyway, on. Quinn is on paternity leave right now, and um, the reason the mail orders are getting out late is because I'm doing them. <laughs> so um, <laughs> anyway, just a just a
1: heads up about that. But anyway, if if, uh, if Quinn is they're not they're, they're not late. They're on the classic timeline. That's no, you know, yeah, is, yeah classic is class- vintage, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, vintage. <laughs> you vintage pay extra
2: man. for that, right? Yeah, people pay pay good money for that classic timeline. Uh, but anyway, congrats oh, to Quinn. So I I think to your point is especially with that that concept of that gumbo shop and this is a sim, simple gumbo but that's kind of the point of it it's straightforward it's not controversial you know and and then you go to these restaurants that hey they got some chef that's from out of town and he's pushing the envelope and he's always using oh well this this ingredient is in season so we're going to use more of that and uh, you know mm-hmm. oh I made a friend up in this part of the country and he sent me some of this really uh, small batch stuff and so we're going to use that and that's like that that's good too right or 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 it can be you know mm-hmm. that that interesting combination of uh of tastes and aggressive uh experimentation and so um and so to that point it, we kind of are rounding out what makes us good you know what makes a tobacco good and and in my mind it's it, the, the the final thing is is the tobacco blended with the end consumer in mind is is the tobacco was it was it blended and manufactured with the smoker in mind with a specific kind of smoker who is this going to appeal to when it goes on the shelf right is there someone out there that's going to uh going to gravitate towards this tobacco and say man that's that's good. Like I, that, I want that in my right. rotation, you know? And so I think thoughtful tobaccos really do have to have that end smoker kind of identified. Like, you know, you're, you're putting this out on the shelf, not just to have, okay, well, we're competing against this other ten tobacco company and uh, tobacco manufacturer. And, you know, well, they've got a peach blend, so we got to have a peach blend. Well, you know, that that's fine. But like, who is your peach blend smoker? like what what do they what do they want what are they
1: right right who's this what are for? they
2: going after and are you are you going to be able to provide that with this blend and if you if you can say yes then then i think you've got a good tobacco if the answer is is no or there's no reason for them to select yours over another one then you know yeah i think uh, i think maybe it stays on the drawing board you know some tobaccos try to do too much, and 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 so you have these kind of real baroque, convoluted tobaccos that just they clash and they're overwhelming. But some tobaccos though do a whole lot, but do it really well. I immediately think of mm. Scottish blend from uh, Mac Barron, uh the mixture mm. tobacco that they make. That's uh, I think it's got like a I don't know record. 38 tobaccos in it or something, something absurd, you know, something only Mac Barron would do, but, but it works. (laughs) It works somehow as those, uh, you know, tobaccos are, are, um, you know, blended and topped and then aged. it just works. And it creates this really delicious kind of symphony in, in, uh, in your pipe. And so some tobaccos try to do too little i think they just are trying to produce something that's combustible that you can put in your pipe that is a delivery uh, mechanism for smoke <laughs> and, you know it's <laughs> like man you know if i if i wanted that i might just go smoke a bowl of pine straw you know there's uh, not a lot of need for that and you know i think those tobaccos are made for people that aren't really seeking flavor but uh, but maybe that's a different conversation some try to do too little though and i, I think when a consumer takes a tin off the shelf or out of a jar, the, we're talking about good tobaccos. They are blended with, you know, what is the expectation of that consumer in mind? For English blend smokers, a good tobacco, you know, they're going to be less concerned about the room note, and they're going to be more concerned about a uh, tobacco that tends to have a medium to full-bodied robustness and also a, a, a good measure of complexity and a cooler smoke. That's what English blend smokers kind of pursue. They Love something that's bold, something that's complex and interesting, and and that smokes uh, smokes cool, is easy on their tongue. The Virginia blend smokers are looking for something with uh, you know some strength. Uh, they're looking for something with some natural sweetness. They love chasing nuances of tobacco and delicate flavors. It's a real love of Virginia's. And then at the end, they want either a brightness or a depth that kind of corresponds with their preferred type of leaf. And so that's what you're producing for them. Aromatic smokers. What makes a quality aromatic tobacco? Well, you know, typically aromatic tobacco smokers, they uh, they want their defined tasting note to come through. Uh, you know, if it if it is supposed to be an apple flavored blend, they want to get the essence of that. They don't want it to just taste like heat, <laughs> which is so often right. uh, so often communicated. And if it's a, a a tobacco flavor that's more nebulous, something like Scottish uh, blend from Mac Barron, or or even something like one that you know, doesn't have a, a super. Hey, this is the you know cherry blend flavor that you're seeking or whatever. You know, it, does it um it, is, is it a straightforward tobacco blend that creates that sensation in your mouth that you know it is a, it is a sweetness that it the flavor does last. It's not like a stick of juicy fruit where you chew it for three minutes and then the flavor goes away. You know, <laughs> right, right. It, it does it linger? Is it something that uh, lights the room up and makes uh, makes your companions happy because of how it smells? So so I think all these things go into it at the end of the day a good tobacco is one you enjoy and good tobaccos tend to be the ones that are smoked you know regularly and and they become popular for a reason because uh because people connect with them so but anyway just some thoughts on that what what do you think bo does
1: any of that resonate with you yeah for sure although i gotta say i'm a little disappointed I'm a little disappointed by all this. Uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I you thought, disappointed in me. Well, I know i just <laughs> typically the other way around, but no, I, I thought for sure, <laughs> for sure, man, that uh, you know, as part of talking about what makes a good tobacco a good tobacco. I mean, you've talked about some general concepts. You certainly mentioned several kind of recommended quality pipe tobaccos as we've kind of gone through the, the these various aspects of what makes a good tobacco a good tobacco. But, but. You didn't name any names for what makes a bad tobacco a bad tobacco. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't name any names, and I was just curious I, if you. Well... In- you, you you want me to?
2: Who do you want me to throw under the bus? No, nobody, nobody. <laughs> who nobody. Who do you want me to throw? I, is there is there someone out there you've got in mind? You're kind of one.
1: Want- <laughs> no, like- no, no. He's not in business Bo's anymore. Like, no, How absolutely
2: do we make waves not. This week, John David. No, um, no, 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 no. You know, I but I mean, in talking about bad tobaccos and in talking about that, I mean, they're, you know, and I reference this kind of a bre- brevity, but you know, there's tobaccos that just you know maybe the flavor is somewhat interesting, but it smokes just way too hot, and you can't enjoy it because of that. Mm you know, is it, is it tobacco that's super wet to the point where it never dries out and it leaves your pipe almost uh, uh, bludgeoned, you know, with uh, this kind of uh, goopy, <laughs> goopiness, you know, uh, is it a tobacco that doesn't engage multiple senses? Uh, it's something that, you know, maybe you like the flavor, okay, but gosh, you don't eat, you don't uh, like the room note and, you know, it makes your, um, again, tongue, you know, super hot and, you know, you don't even like what it looks like. I mean, it, you know, the, it, all this kind of goes into the experience, you know, The packaging as well. So we're just thinking about things that leave you wanting. I I think there are so many tobaccos that just, I I feel like, I feel like blenders put out there because they feel like they need something in that category, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I need to remember that myself as a blender too. I mean, th- this is not like, this is pot meat kettle kind of thing. Like, right, I, you sure, know, I, sure. this is something I need to keep in my own wheelhouse as well. Like, let's come out with a Virginia Perique. Everyone's got a Virginia Perique. Well, why? Like, what you, are, are you going to come out with it? Because, because you want to make a good one? Or are you going to come out with it to fill a gap? You know, that's important. There's a reason different types of restaurants exist for that. You know, you go to an Italian restaurant to eat Italian food. You go to, you know, a French restaurant to eat French food. You go to a burger joint to eat burgers. You don't have to necessarily major in anything if you have if you have your thing, particularly Virginia blends that are just very one dimensional that aren't particularly enjoyable to smoke (laughs) just because a variety of things. And and I think that's why you don't hear about some of those blends out there. With aromatic tobaccos, we go back to the element of, man, this kind of just tastes like heat. (laughs) And Mm. how do you communicate the flavor better into the tobacco? How are you going to, you know, use it as a vehicle to to bring more of that to the palate? You know, a lot of aromatic tobaccos that, you know, people are like, well, we need a blackberry blend, so let's just make one, you know. And in the end, it just kind of tastes like semi-sweet Heat. I think there's a reason people don't buy that, and, and and that those tobaccos kind of sit at the back of the shelf, you know. And they might even make the room smell good, but but that might be the only thing good they do. So so I think there's room for critique around the board. It's it's something I need to keep in mind myself as a as a blender that tries to practice what I preach. So, okay. You
1: know. All right. Well, I was you know not not trying necessarily to court controversy. I just I thought I'd poke you a little <laughs> bit and see if anything happened.
2: <laughs> <Regardless, right? laughs> hit, hit the pinata. See what. Out.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Look, the great thing is if you've got a grid quality pipe tobacco, regardless of uh, what your favorite may be, one of the things you know is that you'll always be able to get a quality smoke from uh, enjoying it through one of a great corncob or clay pipes from our friends at Missouri Meerschaum.
2: Man, that is right. Uh, so many great pipes at Missouri Meersham. We love their new lineup, too, just with the merger of them and Old Dominion uh, Pipe Company, the clay pipes and the, the new corncob pipes that are being produced. Um, this week, we're talking about the Let Freedom Ring corncob pipe. Uh, it's a it's a unique pipe that's uh, that's debuted from Missouri uh, it in that it kind of has a different finish to it. It's got this unique maple color that's just interesting and different. It's a warm color. It's a uh, Fifth Avenue-sized pipe bowl. It comes in a bent variety and a straight variety. Uh, I really particularly like the bent variety because it's got this handsome amber stem that just goes really, really well with this maple stain that is so unique for Missouri Meerschaum. It's 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 reminiscent of the stain they use on their hardwood pipes, but they've applied it to the corncob bowl, and it's just, uh, just very beautiful. Anyway, check it out. It retails for only $8.99, and it is in stock right now at corncobpipe.com. So uh, if you go there, check it out. You can, you know, shop for, um, grab a LUT Freedom Ring uh, corn cob pipe. You can pick up all kind of merch and swag while you're at it, and uh, they'll ship it straight to your door from, uh, from Washington, Missouri on the banks of the Missouri River. So go there, check it out. Tell them we sent you.
1: That's right, Matt. And once again, we want to thank our friends at Missouri Mission for sponsoring this show.
0: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to
1: All right, Matt Pike, question of the week coming in this week from uh, Lorelai. Lorelai's writing in. She says, "Uh, hi, Bo and John David. A few episodes ago on the McClellan follow-up, John David answered my question about the 515 RC by Sutliff in the context of the 5100 Red Cake. Thanks so much. I took your... Charge to go out and experiment with blending and I've found some formulas I want to try from Milton Sherman's All About Tobacco. I got a box of four ounce jars to put in my micro blends for about 12-ish grams each. While prepping, I noticed that that the footprint of the jar is about the same as an espresso tamper. Huh. Uh, Combined with the last episode of the flake tobaccos, this got me thinking. Would there be much benefit from pressing the tobacco with the tamper instead of the jar before putting the lid on it. Uh, ooh, oh, yeah, okay, now I'm, I'm following here. Lid on it and selling it for a bit. It seems it's sustained pressure that does the magic, but would having the leaves bunched up together like that help the flavor of the leaves meld together more quickly? DIY press when executive function permits, Uh, if, but until then, I want to see what I can do with the materials I've got on hand Thanks for all y'all do and a pipe pilgrimage may be in the card soon. Fingers crossed. Best Lorelai. Uh, all right, man. Okay. So Lorelai has been at it. She's been at the lab, man. She's been working on this. So I, yeah. I, I was, I was having, I was trying to, you know, kind of visualize kind of what she's talking about and yeah, and, but folks who may not be familiar with like, coffee or, or rather like working as a barista or anything that might, might not recognize this. But if you think about the last time that you went to like a coffee shop, or if you've ever ordered a cappuccino, you'll notice they have that kind of attachment that they kind of twist into the machine. Uh, and in that attachment is where they put all, you know, the, the, the coffee, uh, the ground coffee, the ground espresso. And if you notice before they do it, take, take, if, and again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, take time next time you order coffee and just watch what they do they press that coffee uh, down into that very specific type of attachment that they throw on for the espresso machine. I think that's what she's talking about here.
2: That's right. That's right. Yep. You, you nailed it. It's really cool. You know, if you've listened to the show long enough, you'll uh, know that my wife actually roasts coffee for a living uh, and and did a, in a previous life. She was a, a barista at several uh, coffee shops and was so interested in that and uh, and got into coffee roasting. And it's really neat because our two professions, our two careers kind of dovetail together because they're so uh, involved in flavor and, um, you know, taste experience and aroma and all these Things that are just very, uh, you know, very complimentary. So we uh, we joke we've got the whole town addicted to something between the both of us kind of deal. But it is neat. Both professions, uh, both uh, the premium coffee profession and also tobacco, obviously in the pipe world, use uh, this element called a tamper. And and this tamper, you're pressing the uh, the ground espresso down into this this implement. I forget the name of it. And honey, you'll have to forgive me if you're listening, which you're probably not. <laughs> but uh, you know, you press the t- Tobacco, the espresso uh, grounds down into this uh, to this pot thing that's uh, inserted into the uh, espresso machine, and that's an important part of the process. And so, what uh, Lorelai's is saying is that her tobacco jar is about the same diameter as that espresso tamper that she happens to have, and so she's wondering, you know, hey, if I use this to kind of mash it down and then let that sit aside for a while, uh, you know, would that provide some benefit? And uh, and and the answer is it could, it, it really could, you know, as we discussed before and established you know on the show what affects so much of the complexity and flavor of tobacco is not just the applying of some type of flavoring or the quality of the leaf involved but also the aging process you know things like heat pressure and time. These things are critical in uh, developing depth and uh, complexity in a tobacco blend. That's why tobacco presses exist. That's why mm. uh, aging is important. You know, even with cigars, you know, you put a cigar on the shelf right after you roll it and it's going to taste very different from something that sat there for a year and a half. And it, there's a variety of reasons for that, both flavors melding and and even chemically in the, in the product itself, like what happens as things break down and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I I think it could. And it's something at least worth uh, experimenting with occasionally. I, I do think with pressing, one thing with a press in that nature, you know, if you're tamping it down inside your jar, you just, you're probably going to experience diminished results after so long, you know, and so it's one of those things where, you know, you may want to just press it for a couple weeks or uh, maybe a month or something and then, um, you know, and then just kind of see where it goes and uh, try it. You might want to try different, uh, the same tobacco, but uh, press it at different amounts or different uh, pressures, different amounts of time and just, um, you know, just see see what happens. But I think it's certainly worth trying. Uh, Lorelai, also, I just want to mention this uh, towards the, the, the top of her question. She mentions uh, Milton Sherman's All About Tobacco. It's a book. That's uh been out of print for a while, but it is awesome. And if you can get your hands on a copy of it, I, I've got a couple copies that uh that I I protect uh very uh you know jealously because they're so uh, so valuable, but but it, it's a great tobacco resource. Um, and uh and you might be able to find a copy on eBay or something. Uh it's got recipes in there, some real in-depth discussions about, you know, uh, different types of leaves and, and even the history of uh the tobacco. Uh, in the West and and stuff like that. So um, anyway, I just, you know, highly recommend that book if you can get your hands on a copy.
1: Lorelai, thanks so much for the question. And hey, if you've got a question for us, send it into the show. That's show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Again, that is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Your Your thoughts,
0: your comments, comments. listener feedback.
1: listener feedback this week man we got an itunes review and from m dutson I, I guess i guess it could be md utson like doctor wait <laughs> dr utson dr. or m dutson <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the utson md yeah love the show thanks for all the conversation that i enjoy with a pipe in my face cheers there you go now if that doesn't sound like an md then i don't know what does <laughs>
2: That guy's definitely got a degree. That's right. No, that's great. Uh, Yeah, Next comes uh, Pastor Joda, who we uh, know and love. He says, "Uh, gentlemen, hope you're doing well, uh, and everyone is safe amidst all the things going on in these chaotic times. And boy, are they chaotic. (laughs) He says, though summer is drawing to a close, those of us in the South have a few more months of mowing. It's become a bit of routine for me to load up a couple of pipes to keep me company while I tend the parcel bestowed to my care. Uh, You must have a, a good bit of acreage there to uh, to mow, uh, cut the grass. Pastor Joda. he says, uh, I want. I was wondering what recommendations you may have as a tobacco pairing with grass cutting. <laughs> While mowing, uh, I'm pretty much always smoking a corn cob pipe uh, from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum, uh, and I would uh, prefer something that requires minimal maintenance during the smoke, as my hands are otherwise occupied uh, with a mower, trimmer, or leaf blower. And uh, anyway. Blessings, Pastor Joda. Um, Pastor Joda, great question. You know, I again, I always feel like a broken record because I'm such a creature of habit, but I, I smoke a lot of Virginia blends, man. I just do. And I, I associate Virginia blends with summertime. I associate it with um, yard work, you know, being outside mm-hmm. yard work, grass clippings, uh, you know, uh, dust in my eyes and all this, you know, just uh, exhaustion after a hard day's work of, you know, curating my lawn. And, I, you know, for me, that's just part of the experience it's uh it's just um you know like uh, I don't know whatever uh, you know the smell of grandma's apple pie or whatever you know it's just part of the satisfying part of for for the uh, you know yard maintenance experience for me is the uh, is a good Virginia blend and so um, you know I, I would I would highly recommend our bag end at the Country Squire if you haven't tried it before it's a Scottish style mixture it's it's heavy Virginia brightly forward it has a very small amount of latakia uh, that's in the background and 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 I'm, I'm not much of a latakia smoker as you know. And so, um, you know, it's something that is is much more Virginia centric, um, but then it has uh, some Izmir as well, uh, just to give it a little, a little bit of oriental uh, floral tang. And so, um, so you may try that out, you know, um, other than that, there's, uh, you know, some great, um, great Virginia blends that, um, you know, I could go on and on about, but um, yeah, try back End at some
1: point. There you go. All right. Great. uh, Great recommendation. Pastor Joe, always good about checking in on us, especially with all this crazy weather we've been having here lately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Man, let's get one more in here. This is from Gabe. uh, Gabe Skypala said, uh, while I was listening to past few podcasts, I heard y'all give a shout out to Tyler, who had recently made his pilgrimage and that he is from the Texas Panhandle. Yeah. If, If you would shout this out. All right. Gabe, we're shouting it out now. We're shouting it out right now, buddy. (laughs) And tell him to reach out to me. Also, if anyone in the Texas Panhandle, they uh, they can come hang out with us at uh, Golden Spread Pipe Club. They can reach out uh, to me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, We need to bolster our local club. Cheers, y'all. Keep the great content coming. And again, that's Gabe Skypala. Uh, And he says he's the really, really tall guy from uh, Amarillo, Texas.
2: Yeah, man, Gabe came through as well. At, at uh it's been a while now, but uh, man, long-time listener of the show, good friend and uh, man, yeah, uh Tyler, look him up. Uh Gabe Sky S K Y P A L A. Um and again, he mentions the Golden Spread Pipe Club uh in the Panhandle of Texas up there. So, uh go check him out. But uh, man, uh, cheers to our, uh, our Texas Panhandle listeners, man,
1: up there in uh up there in cattle country. There yeah. you go. There you go. We we out here. Yeah. All right, man. That's good stuff. Well, hey, uh, thank y'all so much for uh, for writing into the show, especially that iTunes review. You know, the writing in an iTunes review is a great way to help support the show. Doesn't cost you a dime to do it, but it goes a long way to making the show happen. Which, by the way, if you are willing to spend a few dimes to help make the show happen, head over to patreon.com slash country squire radio. You get some good stuff for doing it. And it also, like I said, keeps us on the air. <laughs> join up <laughs> uh, join up there. at Again, patreon.com slash country squire radio. You can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow the show at squire radio. You can follow John. John David at John David Cole or at underscore country squire or all that information and more can be found at country squire com. Well, man, I I, I got to tell you, I, I feel like I, I feel like I misled the people because we started off this episode. Like, it's going to be a controversial one. And I was like, I oh, know it's, it's, it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Zero controversy. Everyone, everyone's straight. Yeah. No, I mean you know it's part of the
2: thing where we we may have some people out there that are like, what do you mean that you, any, any kind of tobacco can be a good tobacco as long as it makes the end consumer happy? Man, only good tobaccos are you know use uh, Syrian Latakia. Man, only bright leaf from you know the uh, African uh, countryside. Meh, meh, meh. you know it's like well you know, maybe
1: maybe you should go listen to another podcast. <laughs> That's right, man. Well, hey, let's go have a day.
2: See you, brother.